This is episode 31 of Cinescope. And I'm not Jimmy Jim, Jimmy Jim, 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 Jim. He's Jimmy Jim, Jimmy Jim, 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 Jim. Cinescope, where our goal is not to criticize or to assign ratings, but rather to celebrate the movies we love, exploring story, characters, music, and relevance to the world around us. I'm your host, Chad Hopkins, and joining me today is Andrew Grant to talk about one of our favorite films, Muppet Treasure Island. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, Chad. I'm doing all right. Good to hear. Um, We've been trying to make this episode for a couple days, and we've both had busy schedules, but uh, it's one of our favorite movies. We've mentioned it before. It's one of our sort of staple movies from college, especially, and uh, it was always a movie that we popped in just to have a good time watching something together. Yes, I remember doing that multiple times. Um, It was always good to just sit back and relax and watch good old Muppet Treasure Island. Yeah, so how about you just remind everybody out there who you are. You were last on the How to Train Your Dragon episode back before Christmas. Uh, who are you and what, what what's our friendship? Well, uh, we met a long time ago um, in choir when we were just wee little lads. We've been in school and best friends ever since. Um, we were roommates together in college and come full circle and we're roommates right now. Um Sorry about our crazy schedules, but I'm glad we're finally uh, finally back and, and doing Muppet Treasure Island today. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, I'm, I've been busy too, and we're, we're, we're squeezing it in this morning, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to have a good time talking about it. So just to remind everybody out there to go to iTunes, take a minute or two out of your day and rate and review the show, even subscribe, and that's going to be a big help to us in helping to grow our audience. And with that, all that's out of the way, let's go ahead and just start talking about Muppet Treasure Island. So this movie was released February 16th of 1996 and was directed by Brian Henson, son of Jim. He also directed The Muppet Christmas Carol and a TV movie called Jack and the Beanstalk, The Real Story. The movie was written by James V. Hart, Jerry Joel, and Kirk R. Thatcher and was based on the book Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. The music is by Hans Zimmer, surprise, surprise, who also composed the scores for The Lion King, the first four Pirates of the Caribbean movies, Gladiator, The Last Samurai, The Dark Knight Trilogy, and Interstellar. But the songs were composed by Barry Mann and Cynthia Whale. And they're a team who have together also composed songs like Here You Come Again for Dolly Parton and Rock and Roll Lullaby for B.J. Thomas and Somewhere Out There with James Horner from the American Tale movies. And then You're My Soul and Inspiration and You've Lost That Love and Feeling, both with The Righteous Brothers. So... Uh, Lots of musical talent behind this movie, and the movie does star Kevin Bishop as Jim Hawkins, Tim Curry as uh, Long John Silver, and then you have Billy Connolly in a bit part at the beginning. And then the Muppet performers are the usuals, Steve Whitmire, Dave Goles, Jerry Nelson, Frank Oz, Kevin Clash, Bill Beretta, John Henson, Louise Gold, and Don Austin. So, starting off, Andrew, what was your first experience with this movie? Do you remember... Um, I vaguely remember. I'm fairly confident we saw it in theaters. My family is definitely uh, Muppet people. We love the the Muppet movies. Um, We try to watch A Muppet Christmas Carol almost every year when it comes on. Um, So I grew up with the Muppets, and I definitely enjoy 
enjoyed watching Muppet Treasure Island um, even when I was young. And quite honestly, I didn't know most of that information about the composition. I I did know Hans Zimmer wrote the music, but when you have people who did Hear You Come Again and um, some of the Righteous Brothers work, that would definitely explain why I, I have a, a definite liking of Muppet Treasure Island. Because even with most of the Muppet movies, it's it's one of my favorites, even within the, the Muppet category. Yeah, both of us sort of have a predilection for that old 1970s and before music. Uh, that can't really be explained, but that being said, we're very familiar with uh, that, that duo's music now that we know who they are. And uh, they really make a good fit for this Muppets movie, and we both love the music here. Now, for me, as a kid, this was the only Muppet movie I owned on VHS so it was the only one I really watched growing up. I think my grandparents might have had the Muppet movie, and so I watched that every once in a while. But this was my primary introduction into the Muppets universe. And so I largely watched it without really appreciating it uh, its greater context in the Muppets universe because I hadn't seen much else of the Muppets universe. So when I grew up, I, I had already learned to love the movie without its greater appreciation for the Muppets. And so... As I learned to love the Muppets more, I learned to love this movie even more. And so for a long time, this was my absolute favorite Muppets movie. And I've got to say, rewatching it this time around, I actually sort of reconsidered whether this was my favorite or not. I think I'm still going to place it at a, a very close number two behind the 2011 The Muppets movie. But this is very, very high up on my Muppets appreciation list. Let's go ahead and dive in and start talking about the story. So uh, I'll start the the opening of the film with you get Hans Zimmer's treasure theme, the bum 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 bum, bum and it, it's just this big boisterous adventurous theme. It sets the mood perfectly. It feels right at home in this universe. And then we get a little bit of Billy Connolly's narration talking about the the finding of the treasure and the hiding of the treasure, and we get treated to the song "Shiver My Timbers," which. What's funny about this scene is it's not a funny scene. It's a very serious scene in a Muppets movie, and it's not played for laughs at all. Yes, there's a couple of silly Muppets in the song itself, but it's a pretty dark song. The tone of the film at that time is sort of sepia and off-color, and it, it really, again, sets the mood for the rest of the film. This is sort of a serious, quote-unquote, Pirates movie insofar as the Muppets can be serious. So it's just a perfect example of how the movie is able to occasionally take itself seriously as a genuine pirate movie, because it's ominous. It's got buried treasure. The, like I said, the, the colors are muted and sort of sepia-toned. And then at the end of that song, you actually have Captain Flint drawing guns and presumably about to kill everybody. So, I mean, as far as Muppet movies go, that's about as dark as it gets. So what do you have to add here? Definitely that opening scene uh, really paints a picture. Um, it gets you into what you're about to experience the music is just awesome it's very just when you think at least for myself when i think pirates music and the the music that would go along with it i think of this treasure theme right at the beginning of muppet treasure island um it's probably uh it just fits so well with what's happening and uh you definitely know that you're in for a a fairly serious especially for the Muppets um, a fairly serious movie but you know that you're going to enjoy it because it's even even in the the beginning with its seriousness um, there is a bit of 
you know, there's always that comedic value that you you ex- come to expect from any Muppet movie. Right. And that really touches on one of my other points. That was, you know, I, I did a little bit of research about the original book coming into this episode because I haven't read it. But now I really, really want to. Because what the Muppets did here and the, the team behind the film, they so cleverly adapted that original book into a Muppet film. Smollett in the book is known for his sort of temperamental disposition. He's quick to anger. And they joke about that in this movie before Kermit is introduced as Smollett. And so, oh, here comes the the, the raging, the volcano. yeah, the raging volcano. And uh, he, he, everybody, they're building this anticipation that Kermit's just this this big bad dude who's going to whip everybody into shape. And he shows up and hi ho everyone. And it's 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 Kermit. I mean, he's he's Smollett, and yes, he maybe is a little bit more stern than Kermit has been in the past, but he's still very much Kermit. And then another example, Mr. Arrow was actually lured into getting drunk by Silver and goes overboard, like literally goes overboard in the book. So he actually dies and goes overboard. Now, the way they get around that here by not killing a Muppet is Silver tricks Arrow into testing the lifeboats. And so he sends him off and they pretend he went overboard, which allows him to show up later. And that's a lot of fun. And then one more example from the book into the film is Benjamina in the book is actually just Ben Gunn. It's a boy and Flint or Smollett and Ben in the book don't really have all that much of a relationship, especially romantically, obviously. But here they, they've put the fun twist on it and you've got Smollett and Benjamina as former lovers and rekindling their relationship. And it just adds that little extra element of piggy Kermit. Will they won't they that we're used to getting in our Muppet movies. And so it takes the the sensibilities of the Muppets that we love. We've got Kermit, we've got Fozzie, we've got Piggy. And even though we don't call them by those names, it sets them into another story that they fit into very, very well, I think. Definitely, I would I would have to agree with that. It's, uh, I don't know much about the original book um, by Robert Louis Stevenson, but we, we've heard the story many a time throughout our, our lives. And it's just the, the classic swashbuckling um treasure treasure hunt and treasure adventure and i just think it's so much fun when it's told by the muppets someone uh characters that we already know kind of in a way it's like they're they're actors and so it's it's weird to see like kermit who is an actor himself playing another role and so it's it's kind of fun to see them in different roles but still very true to themselves right i hadn't thought about that in this context but you're right. It's almost like, you know, in the first The Muppet movie, they signed the big standard rich and famous contract, all the whole Muppets as a as a cast. And so it's fun to sort of think about both this and The Muppet uh, Christmas Carol and maybe even The Muppets Wizard of Oz as sort of meta films where they are still the Muppets and they're acting out a film. And that's why they're able to break the fourth wall and make jokes about how this is a kid's movie and how there's tours. They they actually reference the actual jungle set of Muppet Treasure Island. And so that's a a fun thing that I hadn't really thought about was that this could totally be a, a meta movie where the characters we love are actors in the film and they're aware of that. So that's a cool, cool way to present that. What else do you have to talk about the story? In terms of the full full aspect of the story, uh, it's a lot of fun. You definitely enjoy the the music throughout the entire movie. There, there's just some comedic moments that just always ring out to me. Me and my brother, when we were younger, we would always quote Rizzo at the beginning, where he just screams, 
we're standing in a room with a dead guy. <laughs> um, because we always thought it was just hilarious how he reacted to that. And then similarly, we would also quote, I've got cabin fever and I've got it too. With the, the gyrating and the crazy bug eyes and everything like that. <laughs> and it should be said that we still do that while watching the movie. <laughs> we did it. Yes, we did. We, we did it this time. Uh, because it's just so, like, over the top and hilarious that, uh, although it, it really has no context to the movie, it's just some uh, a fun way of, you know, getting everyone involved and uh, making you laugh at just how kind of ridiculous it is. Um, not to mention the Cabin Fever song is just hilarious in and of itself. Which also has some fun uh, breaking the fourth wall moments as well. Right, it, that that scene sort of turns it into a, a almost a cruise ship. Like they're they're making fun of the whole cruise ship mentality out in the middle of the ocean, acting like crazy people. Uh, that's at least what I thought about while watching this time around. Last thing I really have to say in the story section is that I like that the human characters are the main characters here, and the Muppets sort of fit around that story. So our our main protagonist, Jim Hawkins, and Long John Silver are our human characters. We have a few other miscellaneous human characters, but our focus is really on those two. And then Kermit's able to have his own little uh, sideline with Piggy, and you have Fozzie as Squire Chalani's uh, half-wit son, and they they all just fit in around this human storyline, which is sort of what they did with the 2011 Muppets film as well. Um, although in this one wholly focused around the human characters, whereas in The Muppets, it was focused sort of around Gary and Walter. So a Muppet-human combo. But anyways, let's just talk about the characters now. Let's talk about Jim Hawkins. What do you have to say about him? Um, Not going to lie. When I first watched this movie, I was... And and now watching it this time, um, I didn't know it was a boy at first. <laughs> um, he just... He spoke like a boy... And then when he's saying it was just in the in a register that I didn't think any man could ever sing it. <laughs> right. It's a little jarring at first. Um, and so after you get used to that that fact and, and uh, Blind Pew actually calls him a girl multiple times in the scene directly following that, it kind of like they know what they did. And, and after watching it this time, I finally made that connection that the first time you're introduced to this character they knew the audience needed to get over that. And so they poke a little fun at it and then you move on. And, and he's never referred to as a girl again, but in the story as a whole, um, he's, he's definitely a, a very interesting character with a lot of development. Um, you see him as this kind of defenseless little boy who, you know, has these big dreams, but really doesn't know what to do with them. Doesn't have the, the courage to set out on his own. Doesn't have, he doesn't think he has the means to do so. So he's just kind of stuck where he is. And um, by the end of the movie, he's captain. Like, you know, you, you go through all of this adventure and all of this change and how it really affected him was he, he finally found out who he was and what he was capable of. So in terms of the whole story, I think Jim is... Uh, Jim, Jim, Jimmy, Jim, Jimmy, Jim, Jim, <laughs> finally grew up to be Captain Hawkins. He's a character who at the beginning just wants a better life for himself because he's not living a great life. He He's stuck in this inn working for table scraps and he's an orphan basically. Well, I mean, not basically, he's an orphan. His, his dad died when he was seven and he doesn't have a mother to speak of and he's just this little orphan boy. And he he finally gets that that sort of instigation when Blind Pew shows up and 
uh, Billy Bones dies and has given him this treasure map. And it, it sets off his, it sort of sets his life into motion. It sort of kickstarts everything. So he starts sustaining or he starts searching for that, that fulfilling life of adventure and courage that his father presumably lived because his father was also a man of the sea. And that way he's not spending every afternoon just getting dishpan hands. And, um, you know, his lack of a father figure really sort of makes him vulnerable to Silver's manipulation, which is, I think is an interesting part of his character. Is One, Silver is a likable character, and we'll talk about that. But Jim, because he doesn't have that father figure, he's looking for one. And Silver just sort of fits the bill because he's an experienced man of the sea. He references Jim's father, and overall, he's just a likable person. And he's a cook. What, what's not to trust about a cook? And... Of course, that vulnerability on Jim's side of things leads him into trouble later with Silver, but it's it's an interesting part of his character for sure. And then because of his kind heart, at the end of the film, he's able to let Silver go when probably he shouldn't have. And again, that that is both a testament to Silver's likability and to Jim's warm heart as a person. Let's go ahead and talk about Smollett too, because Smollett, Kermit, he is one of our other main characters. And as I said earlier, he's still very much the Kermit that we love, just maybe a little bit sterner. He's fair and he's honorable. He he has rules about no alcohol on board to set an example for the already questionable crew. He tells Jim, I know your father. He was a good man, which is just the kind of thing that a boy like that needs to hear as he's venturing out and sort of following in his father's footsteps. And at the same time, he does order Jim to forfeit the map. He says, I, I, I didn't I really hope this wouldn't come to this, Jim, but as captain, I'm ordering you to give me the map. And so that we see a little bit of his authority there that we maybe wouldn't have gotten in other Muppets mo- Muppet movies with Kermit in the lead. I definitely think um, with Captain Smollett, it's it's really amusing how they introduce him, because as you already likened to him, his character um, in the original book. Captain Smollett is the raging volcano, um, but it's a uh, it's a little Kermit for us, and I think that uh, juxtaposition is just hilarious. Where you have this character who's supposed to be, you know, so like so hairpin trigger kind of guy, um, just ready to go off on everyone, uh, and you only see that through Mister Arrow. Right, I was about to say that. <laughs> So, uh, just anticipating your whim, sir, uh, it's just, <laughs> it's so funny to see, uh, Kermit even try to take on, on a role like this, where he's, um, he's supposed to be so intense and so stern because he's Kermit. And, you know, in the end, he's, he's, a, he is a pretty soft character throughout the entire movie, very caring and very, um, you know, trying to do what's best for the crew, even when he realizes that Long John Silver has, you know, the map and is, you know, ready to take over and everything like that. He's just like, well, I guess we'll be safe and tries his best to keep those who he knows are, you know, good people working, trying to work with him safe and still wanting to get the, get the treasure in the end. We'll just come back in a year. The fight will be out of them. Right, right. Um, so, uh, I, I think it's a it's a very interesting story, and then of course uh, our love led us here um, with between uh, Smollett and Benjamina is one of our favorite songs uh, just is. to uh, sing 
<laughs> as high as possible. Yeah, yeah I, we, we we usually start that song off as a duet, we, like we do the parts, and then it's just it just turns into us obnoxiously singing like Piggy. I was I would argue that it starts with us obnoxiously singing, <laughs> but it's always it's it's always great fun, and that was always a, a fun part of of his storyline is the Benjamin and. And Captain Smollett, uh, I we always enjoyed that uh, that aspect of these movies. Right, you can't really have a Muppet movie without the Piggy Kermit will they won't they kind of thing, and so that's part of the softer side of his character here. The commitment issues that we see from Kermit pretty often, the the cold feet, as it were, and it it takes hanging upside down on a cliff, singing "Love Let Us" here for them to really truly rekindle their relationship, and. Um, we get that funny montage during that song of them singing the song while hanging upside down with Silver and crew going crazy over finding the gold. So that, that's that's a fun scene. And in the final fight scene, we even see how it, it's it's always been a testament of Kermit's character that he has commitment issues to Piggy, but he always has really cared about her. And that really is shown off at the end of the film during the, the final fight scene when we, we see Kermit's chest and he's got piggy tattooed to his chest because he's a pirate of course he or he's not a pirate but you know what i mean he, he's got that tattoo on his chest and it's like oh he really does care about her in a, in a weird sort of way um so th- that was a, a fun moment for that and then benjamina herself it's again the same old piggy we know and love she's bold and she's confident but she's got a bit of a damaged psyche because of abandonment issues she's not only been abandoned by smollett he left her at the altar she was also marooned by flint and then apparently her and Silver had something going on at some point. And yet here she is on this island by herself with these natives. And we see, oh, well, I guess things haven't gone all that well for Piggy. And it's understandable that she would be maybe a little bit manic. In in the book, I believe Ben Gunn has gone crazy being marooned by himself on this island. So that's it's a different way of approaching that it, where Piggy Benjamina wasn't going mad just because she was by herself. She was going mad because she was left behind. So let's talk about Long John Silver because he's one of my favorite characters in this movie. And that that's a testament to Tim Curry, who is perfect in this movie. He he is the likable Tim Curry that we know. He's also the vindictive pirate that we like from him. I mean, he, he he's just all around great and I love his singing parts in this, even though he's not like an all-star singer, he fits the bill. He He's just a great Long John Silver. I would definitely agree. Um, I don't know much of Jim Curry's work besides the <laughs> the creepy guy in Home Alone, um, who's at the at the hotel, but, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I definitely enjoy him in this movie and always have, especially the, uh, what's the pirate song? professional pirate oh yes especially in professional pirate um where he's just laying down the rules of what it's like to be a pirate um upstage lads <laughs> this is my only number <laughs> of course that beautiful breaking of the fourth wall that we love from the muppet movies um show them you've been practicing <laughs> exactly it's i just think i i think it's hilarious he's definitely that perfect long john character the one who you want to trust so badly and the one you know has it deep down in him to be a, a, a good person. And we finally see that at the end. Um, is that when Jim's about to, to blow blow the whistle on him. And he threatens to kill him. Um, threatens to kill. Uh, Long John threatens to kill Jim. He, at, by the end he's just like you know I can't hurt you. 
Yeah, we I've always liked a gem. And so you see that there was a true connection between Jim and Long John. He's not just the con artist that, you know, he kind of plays plays through the movie. He's not the that manipulator all the time. He definitely has his manipulations even when he talks himself out of getting the black spot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a huge a huge turnaround. They the his entire crew wants him dead and he makes them feel like crap for it. <laughs> right, right. And so, um, he's he's just this kind of he's this fast talker con man in the original sense, and uh, you you never really trust him, but you for some reason you always want to, and that is where that casting came in fantastically because throughout the entire movie, whenever Jim Curry delivers that line or Tim Curry. Got some things mixed up. Whenever Tim Curry delivers his lines, you're just like, you know what? Maybe he's not. He it's gonna work this time. He's he's gonna come through this time. He plays that middle ground so well um, throughout the entire movie. So, well, I, I I definitely appreciate his character throughout. Yeah, he's a good example of a bad character who's not all bad, and we get a couple of hints of that towards Jim specifically uh throughout the movie the the first of which being when they've they've sort of kidnapped Jim they're on the island about to go searching for the treasure and in that moment when they where they found the treasure but all the boxes are empty and the crew is ready to mutiny against Long John he he warns Jim off he says go protect yourself don't be thinking i was lying about liking you kid and so that's the first time and then that other one was the the scene that you mentioned where he's got the gun drawn on Jim and he scoffs at himself and says oh i couldn't hurt you you're honest you're brave and you're true and it's uh it's actually a really great moment between those two characters and i i just i love villain characters who aren't all bad he is a character who sort of just wants what was coming to him they were all part of flint's crew originally and so they feel justified in their search for the treasure and it's the the issue is how they go about trying to claim it and so i think that's a a a cool way to approach a villain now we've got a couple of other characters i just want to mention gonzo and rizzo because they're the only Muppet characters that maintain their names. And I love that. And Gonzo and Rizzo, did they, were they sort of the narrators for Muppet Christmas Carol as well? Oh, they were, yes. I thought so. And I, I wonder if that's just sort of Brian Henson's sort of thing, because those are the two Muppet films he directed, and we haven't really seen that partnership as much since. Um, but I, I love their friendship. I love their dynamic back and forth between each other where Gonzo is a little, well, Gonzo is the great Gonzo and he's willing to go out and put his neck on the line and do all these crazy, stupid things that Rizzo is clearly not up to task for at the beginning of the movie when they're still at the end, um, they're singing something better, right? And Gonzo says, I'll be by your side. And Rizzo echoes, he'll be by your side. And it's just a funny moment where Gonzo says, you know, I'm willing to to go on an adventure with you. And Rizzo says, I'll go along, but you guys can do the dangerous stuff. It's just a, a fun relationship there between the two of them and their together relationship with Jim. I've always loved Gonzo and Rizzo. Um, I thought, I think they're hilarious. And in fact, since the Muppet Christmas Carol and this movie are... The two Muppet movies I watched as a general rule, it's really weird for me to watch movies without them having major roles or um, even major roles for supporting roles Um, because I think their back and forth is always hilarious. Their major contrasts and how you were saying how Gonzo's ready to go 
and he's ready to support whoever he needs to and he's that kind of friend and Rizzo's the very practical um or nah kind of guy <laughs> um he's just like maybe maybe we're we're good though we don't really need to do all of that kind of crazy dangerous stuff and even at the end one more one more little thing where they're even all standing up against Long John and they say you'll have to go through me and then Rizzo's the last one and he goes you'll have to negotiate strenuously (laughs) 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 because he knows he doesn't want to fight he knows he doesn't want to put himself into that much danger but yet he still wants to be there and I always just enjoy their characters so much anytime they they have a major role in these Muppet movies yeah it's really Rizzo who we don't get as much of anymore unfortunately Gonzo has always been sort of a staple Muppet character and Rizzo's been in the background but we just haven't had him really focused in a role since this movie so it's definitely an enjoyable partnership here um, and Rizzo gets that fun side story with the tourist rats, the the sort of ultimate breaking of the fourth wall where they're going on tours of the set and playing shuffleboard on the pirate ship. And it, it it's a great application of that character. Any other characters that you just sort of want to shout out to real quick? Yes. One one minor character that we only see at the very beginning, uh, Miss Bloveridge. Um just because of the the how does she do that? <laughs> right. Uh, uh, it just it really struck struck a chord with me and, and my brother when we were growing up because it it always seemed like we were getting in trouble or it always seemed like <laughs> my mom already knew and so not that she was that that kind of woman we had more plenty more than table scraps let me tell you but <laughs> uh, but it was always that she was just that iconic maternal role where she, how how did she even where did she come from? How did she know this information already? <laughs> right. She definitely plays up that mothers know everything trope. Exactly. And uh, I, I always, we always uh, connected to that character fairly well. And, uh, and so from that point on, it was fairly common in our house, especially between me and my brother to be like, how does she do that? <laughs> and have a quick laugh. Uh, but it was, that was always a good memory and a favorite character, minor character of mine as well. Right. I, I have to shout out to, Mr. Arrow one more time just because I love Sam the Eagle Um, unfortunately we don't get his patriotic side of things here a salute to all nations but mostly America we don't get that here because it's a different setting but we do get he's sort of the angry side of Kermit's character that the the, the angry side that Kermit's character is supposed to have from the book Um, or at least he and he sees it there even though we don't so we we get that Uh, I was merely anticipating your whim um, th- those kind of scenes from Arrow. And I-, I just love, what I love about Sam the Eagle is that he's never a character who tries to be funny like some of the other characters. He is just a serious character and his contrast to the other Muppets makes him funny. And so uh, he's always been one of my favorite Muppet characters and that's no exception here. And then the other one, I, I just have to s- shout out to Billy Connolly as Billy Bones at the beginning of the film because you know I love my Scottish accents and he's one of the best ones and we get that fun death scene from him where he sort of dies twice. And so he passes out on the bed. And he wakes up and he, he, he calls for Jimmy, Jim, Jimmy, Jim, 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 Jim. And uh, he, he, he warns him of the, the man with one leg. And also, don't be running with scissors and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's a silly scene. But when you have a death scene in a Muppets movie, it has to be silly to a certain extent. And Billy Connolly is definitely the kind of character to do that. So let's go ahead and talk about the music real quick. So... We mentioned it's composed by Hans Zimmer, and this is a fantastic pre-Pirates of the Caribbean Hans Zimmer pirate theme. And it it almost feels like it could fit into the same universe, which to me sort of 
authenticates this movie to a certain extent. It feels like a genuine Pirates movie because we look in retrospect, we have the Hans Zimmer pirate scores. This could fit right in. And so this feels like a pirate film rather than just a Muppet film. And I, I love that, that quality that Zimmer has brought. And the, the music that he composed throughout is all very good. But that treasure theme is definitely the one that stands out the most. I found it very amusing when we were first watching through and the treasure theme started to play and you said this is the OG pirate score. (laughs) (laughs) I I did say that. (laughs) Because it was Hans Zimmer and we know that he he likes his themes um, that we've we've heard for the past 10 years through the Pirates movies, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And so when you first hear this, knowing it's well before that, you definitely get that original you definitely get that that kind of seed that was planted in the first place. And so I think that's where I even like a lot of these Pirates of the Caribbean movies and, and the score there is because it sounds so familiar. It's already that, you know, kind of been planted in, in my brain, you know, when I was just a, when I was just a kid. So I definitely enjoy the movie throughout or enjoy the music throughout the movie um, just because it is so inherently pirate. Um especially in terms of the score, but also in, t- in terms of the music, um, the songs throughout and the composition there. I, I just, they're, they're, ho- they're the right amount of hilarious. They're the right amount of storytelling, um, pushing the story along and developing characters um, through all of the music. Yeah, the, the songs here by the team, I'll mention one more time, Barry Mann and Cynthia Whale. They're some of my all-time favorite Muppet songs across all the movies. I, I like the m- music in the Muppet movie. I like a couple of songs over the, the following films of Great Muppet Caper, Muppet Takes Manhattan. But the the music here, and to a lesser extent, Muppet, Muppet Christmas Carol, and then especially the Muppets and the Muppets Most Wanted, those are the, the films that I really take music away from. But here is one of my all-time favorites. I can sing along to probably every song. I'm sure you can too, just because it's been a part of our lives since childhood. And so it it's always stuck with me. And as, as we mentioned earlier, we always sort of pseudo-duet Love Let Us here while watching because it's such a ridiculous song, hanging upside down on a cliff, not really the best place for a love song, but we get it and it, it's excellent. And then other songs that I just want to mention, we already talked about Shiver My Timbers, There's Something Better, uh, which, which again, sort of sets the story in motion. It establishes Jim and Gonzo and Rizzo as characters and what they're wanting to accomplish in this movie. And off to Zanzibar to meet the Zanzibar Barians, all that kind of stuff. And then we get Sailing for Adventure or On the Big Blue Wet Thing, whichever subtitle you'd prefer. And then Cabin Fever and Professional Pirate. So, I mean, that's basically all the songs in the movie, but they're all so good. And I, I, as I said, I can sing along with all of them. And it's among my favorite Muppets music. I'm actually surprised by that list because I, I feel like they're singing 90% of the movie. Just because when you, I think of this movie and I think of how the story progresses, I can only skip from song to song. Right, right. <laughs> so I, I actually thought there was a lot more singing in this movie than there actually is. But it's just because I've been so programmed to... to I've been singing those songs over in my head for so long that I actually forget a lot of the little middle bits there. Even though they have their their merit and there's a lot of great storytelling, um, not not through the music, but I can't imagine this movie without Cabin Fever or Professional no. Pirate <laughs> because they're both one of my my all time favorites and I just think they're hilarious. Um, 
<laughs> and in fact, uh, we I found something out this watching this through with subtitles is that the uh, German part of oh yeah the German part of uh, is it cabin fever of cabin fever and they're just saying a bunch of random German words right right <laughs> and in fact one of the lines is just Volkswagen car right right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I. Even when I was growing up, uh, my parents spoke a little German, and so I knew that they weren't saying a sentence, um, but I never realized that it was so blatantly that they just weren't, they weren't actually, they were just saying a phrase in German. <laughs> right. And, and uh, just watching through it this time, was it was just another little nugget that I never even noticed, um, and I thought it was, I thought, uh, yet again, it was hilarious. Um, just a, a fun little thing tossed into the movie. Well, let's talk briefly about relevance, because this is a Muppets movie, well, I don't want to say because it's a Muppets movie that Muppets have been known to be deep before, but this one isn't particularly deep outside of the ocean, but <laughs> sorry, that was bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there are a couple of decent lesson takeaways from this movie. One bad guys aren't always all bad. We've got John long, John silver, who is a decent character in some respects and has just sort of lost his way in searching for the things that he wants. And then you have holding on to the people you love in the case of Smollett and Benjamina, they they've, they've left each other and they've come back and they've really sort of rekindled that relationship that they had where, you know, if they just stayed together, they could have had a long, longer, happy life up to this point. And they're just now sort of getting that started. And then just the idea of putting a little adventure in your life, taking chances and going out and having a little fun outside of just staying in one place and being bored with yourself. What else do you got? No, I definitely agree with that, that last one in particular. Um, I think the the biggest growth you see in the movie is through Jim going from, you know, insecure boy to fairly confident man um and and all of the adventures that he takes and how they change him and how they stimulate growth and how they really can turn his life around because you see at the beginning of the movie that he so desperately wants change but nothing really comes of him just wanting it and of course i'm I'm pretty sure I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that Muppet Treasure Island isn't promoting that you burn your house down in order <laughs> for you so. to go on a grand adventure. It is simply saying that there are these things in life that can be seen as disasters, but are really just the starting point of something much greater. Um, and we see Jim really take advantage of, of that kind of situation. Where he could have sat there and said, Now I now I can't go on an adventure and I don't have a home. And I'm already an orphan. He could have just gone into that spiral of I'll never amount to anything. And now I don't even have a house. He was just like, well, since we don't have a house anymore, I guess we should go on an adventure. Right. <laughs> and so it was a very interesting way of thinking. But I, you, you see that throughout life is there are some things that may seem as seem like they're disasters, but they're really blessings in disguise. And um, Jim really takes, takes hold of that and, and runs with it. Um, and I think following that storyline is where you get some of the uh the deepest relevance um throughout the movie and how you know finally committing to something and finally going out there um and starting that adventure is what will change you for the better i agree and i do want to just focus on one more scene before we sort of close off it's the scene we already referenced it's at the very end of the film where they're on the pirate ship they've left treasure island and long john is trying to escape on the lifeboat full of treasure and as I quoted already, Long John says, you're honest, brave, and true. You didn't learn that from me. 
And so Jim had earlier in the film set Silver a little bit on a pedestal and said, you know, this is the guy on the ship that I really want to be like. Smollett was there, but Smollett wasn't necessarily like a father figure to him at the start of the film. He was just the captain and he was asking Jim to do things he sort of really didn't want to do, like hand over his treasure map. But Silver betrayed Jim to a certain extent. And now at this point, he's sort of softening the blow, I guess. And he's really saying, you know, I did care for you, Jim, and I couldn't hurt you, Jim. And look at what you have become. You're honest, you're brave, you're true. And man, that's certainly a lesson that I didn't learn from him. So it's sort of an introspective moment for Silver. And it's Jim affirming himself as going on this journey. And then right after he's let Silver go, he's left, he's departed. Smollett walks up and reveals that he's been watching. He says, I'm proud of you, Jim. Your father would have been proud. And in that moment, Smollett becomes a father figure that Jim was so desperately hoping for. And so it's a like a three-way development. You have Silver recognizing that he's not the the role model that he sort of wishes he was. You have Jim realizing that he's gone on this journey throughout the film. And then you have Smollett stepping into the father figure role that Jim needs. And so that's a, that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. No, definitely. It speaks a lot of, a lot about the character development throughout the entire movie um, that you see that there is that little bit of hope that, you know, Silver can't kill Jim, that he does honestly care for him and wants the best for him and in a way his leaving is what is best for Jim and I think Jim realizes that and he doesn't really wish ill on Long John because he was that kind of mentor right when things were you know the scariest Um, and he was able to get his sea legs if you will on really going out on this adventure Um, and that is the one thing really that Silver provided but when it came to truly mentoring in, in terms of what is the right thing to do and what is the wrong thing to do, Jim had to learn that for himself because he couldn't follow after Silver's model. And I think that's what Smollett recognized and um, commended Jim for toward the end of the movie there. Definitely. Any closing thoughts on the movie as a whole? Uh, besides, I love it. <laughs> Not much. I just... Um, there's always some new new little nugget that I find every time I watch the movie. You get the same laughs every time. R- Rizzo freaking out that there's someone there's they're standing in the room with a dead guy is always hilarious. Um, cabin fever is always hilarious, and I think that's just one of the things that's so inherently Muppet about this movie is that you know the jokes, you know the punchlines, you know the words to these songs. And yet when you listen to them over and over and over again, you still find yourself smiling and you still find yourself singing along and you still find yourself laughing and rolling on the floor because it is just so, I mean, it's ridiculous, it's fun, it's meaningful. And uh, I think I think you can you, you buy into that every single time. Um, and I know I sure do. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm curious. I have an idea, but what is sort of your ranking of this movie with the others? I would guess that you've probably got the Muppets, Muppet Treasure Island, and Muppet Christmas Carol in your top three. I just don't know the exact order. So could you maybe shed some light on that? Uh, sure. Um, I would have to say Muppet Treasure Island is probably number one, followed by the close second, the Muppets, and then uh, a Muppet Christmas Carol. Because although I love all of them and they're, you know, thousands of a percent away from each other, I would have to say that Muppet Treasure Island squeaks by in, in the top um, and then it goes uh, the Muppets and then a Muppet Christmas Carol. 
they all have their their differences but this one is just i always return to it it was the you know one of the first ones i was ever exposed to one of the first ones i ever grew to love and so it's hard for me to not love this movie (laughs) right um for me you know i already said that the muppets is probably still my number one but what what really is a strength of this film and what a testament to how good it is is it made me reconsider whether the Muppets really was my favorite or whether this one still held that place from my childhood and so I I think that this is very close to the Muppets this is still my number two Muppet Christmas Carol is also probably my number three I mean it's just hard to rank the Muppet movies because I love the Muppets and you know that and I know you love the Muppets too and really as long as I'm watching a Muppet movie whatever it is I'm gonna be pretty happy so with that let's say that is the end of the official 31st episode of Cinescope. Thank you, Andrew, for recording an episode with me again. Of course. Glad to. Anytime. The contact for the show, you can find us on facebook.com slash Cinescope podcast and at Cinescope pod on Twitter. Please go to iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, help us out, help us to grow our audience. And if you have feedback or ideas, email at thecinescopepodcast at gmail.com. And if you are interested in co-hosting, if you have a movie that you like that you'd like to talk about for a little bit, let me know. And we will try and squeeze you in sometime. That'd be a lot of fun. Andrew, anywhere online that you would like people to find you at? I mean, if they find me, good luck. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I hardly use my Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. Um, Right. right, we said this last episode yeah. you were on. If, if you're interested in contacting Andrew, contact me. Yeah, chattel, chattel told me in person. That'll be the, <laughs> that's the best way to do it. <laughs> well, the best place to find me, if you'd like to contact Andrew, uh, is on Twitter, at chadadada, that is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. I struggled with the spelling that time. Um, and then on Facebook.com slash chad.hopkins. And if I did misspell it, I'm not going to go back and fix it. It's in the show notes, which can be found at thecinescopepodcast.com. So... Go check those out. Talk to us. Let us know what you think about the Muppets. And that is all for this week. Thank you once again, Andrew. It's been awesome having you on the show. Glad to be here, Chad. And thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 31. I'm Chad Hopkins. This was Cinescope, and we'll be back next week with episode 32. Have fun and celebrate movies. (laughs) 